0: Welcome to the Encounter Christian Church message podcast, where we bring you the latest messages from our Sunday services. To find out more about Encounter or to plan your visit with us, you can find us online at www.encounter.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Okay, we are starting a new series. A new series called More Than Conquerors. More Than Conquerors. And the first installment today is titled Who Are You? And, and before we, we like you go to a battle or, or, or there's a situation to conquer, you've got to know who you are. You've got to know who you are. And, and soldiers, before they go to battle, they, they know their position. They know their rank. They know their authority level so that they can go into battle with confidence in who they are. So before we actually conquer, we've got to know, well, who am I? What, what is my, my status or right that, that I'm a conqueror? So I'm going to look at that today. And our key scripture... Is Romans 8 37? In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. This is in the book of Romans in the New Testament. This is the Apostle Paul writing this. He says, In all these things, we are more. You're not just, a, we are more. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. I think you are a conqueror is pretty cool. But in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him, which is Jesus, through him who loved us. Because of Jesus inside of us, because Jesus who loved us, because of Jesus dying on the cross and shedding his blood and rising the third day when we accept him in our life, it says that we are more than conquerors. Not just, more than a conqueror. And it says, in all these things, what are all these things? Well, maybe you're having a marriage struggle right now. Maybe your marriage is, is, you're worried about it. In all these things, you are more than conquerors. You know, maybe you're having some relationship issues with people at work, but in all these things, maybe you've divorced, God says, in all these things, maybe your business is struggling and you're actually really worried it's going to fall over. God says, in all these things, you are more than a conqueror. Maybe you don't know what your future is and you're feeling unsteady and nervous. God says, in all these things, maybe you've been betrayed or abandoned by somebody who you really trust and has really hammered you. You lost confidence in people. In all these things, you are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. And then the Apostle Paul goes on to talk about nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing in this world, nothing outside this world. Nothing in the heavens, nothing in the earth. Nothing in the present or nothing in the future. Nothing in the future. Nothing you could even do or not do can separate you from his love. You can't do anything to make his love more for you. While we were yet sinners, the Bible says that Christ died for... When we were in our worst state, he came and died for us and shed his blood. So what, what do you think you could do now to make him love? He loved you more when you were nobody and had nothing and, and were in a terrible state. That's comforting to know, isn't it? How you see yourself determines how you see your world. How you think about yourself determines what you do in this world. Some of the most fundamental questions we have as human beings, whether you believe in a God or you don't, it's within all of us as we're growing up in teenage years, why am I here? Do you know what I mean? That, that lower my question, why was I born? Is this just we live, we die, we eat, have kids? What was that about? Like, Is that, is that life, is that what life's supposed to be about? But within every human being, we, we crave this thing where we want identity. We want to know, who am I? Was I here for a reason? Is there a purpose to my life? Is... And we all want fulfillment. Like, and some of us will, will cram things into our bodies to, to fill that craving. We, 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 we preoccupy ourselves with businesses and careers and whatever. Sometimes we're just filling this void in us that we're really craving to know, who am I and why am I here? My first point today is where do you come from? Where do you come from? I'm looking at the big picture of where we come from. Obviously you know where you come from but the big picture of where you come from. Where do we come from as humans? And you know we learn at school you know, the different theories of origin of humanity. You know, and, and one of them is that, you know, we were microorganisms that came out of a pond, you know, turned into apes and became human beings. And, you know, a lot of people believe, like, follow that. And, not, you know, I'm not bagging it. I don't personally believe it. Um, but but that's, that's a theory out there that, that is taught in our schools and, and is predominant thought in society today. Um, I was watching a documentary the other day and it was like Outback Australia. And it had like this rock formation and it's like in the desert. And they say it's like the oldest place on earth um, that's untouched by man. And there's like fossilized shells in there. And the, the, the spokesperson said, and this is where the origins of the human race came out of the, the ponds. And I just sat there and went bull and, and it said a word. It just came out of me like, what? I don't accept that. See, if we believe we descended in this way or we evolved in this way, we, we, we take away the sacredness of the human life. That a human life is no more value than a cockroach. Do you know what I mean? That it, based on the theory, no life is of a higher value. So a human life is no different to a cockroach that gets crushed in summer or sprayed with some Peebo. Yeah, A human life is just an organism. It's just flesh and blood and meat. And it degrades the, the very existence of a human. And from that philosophy, if you take it further, life becomes cheap. You would, if, if that thought existed. You live in a society where abortion was illegal, and, and I'm not making judgment call here. And you know, as many, so but things like abortion become quite justified as a common form of contraception and that type of thing. Euthanasia becomes a subject that we debate as a, a, a probable thing that we should have, and murder becomes like an accepted norm. But when we have a belief that we were created by a divine creator and that we're made in his image, all of a sudden human life has an incredible value and in how we outwork that as society, society changes. What does the Bible say? What, is, what, is the Bible, what does God say to you through the Bible? This is what he says in Genesis 1.27. So God created human beings in his own image. God created human beings in his own image. Guys, can we just fix the clock, please? God created human beings in his own image. Now, let, think of this, let's, let, let's not brush over this. God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, created galaxies, universes, black holes, supernovas. He created butterflies and zebras and microorganisms. The, the God that created the beauty of a sunrise and a sunset and the rainbow. and, and The God that created everything created you in his own image. He created a human life that, that had a likeness, that means, a likeness like him. We're not created as God's, but we were created as his children. There's an image or a likeness of God upon the human race. And, and that's who you are. All of a sudden, your life is, no, is not like on par with a cockroach. All of a sudden, there's, a, a, there's, a, there's an aspect of divinity, of God's love for you when we know where we've come from. And that was part of me becoming a Christian. As a teenager, I looked at life and thought, there's something different about human beings. To all the other animals, there's something about we dominate the world, we make the decisions. And all I could think about, well, well, the Bible says that God made man in his image, and female, and he put us here to have dominion on the earth and be good stewards of it. And I looked and thought, well, that's what human beings do. So the biblical perspective just made sense to me. I'm going to throw something out here and don't, you know, any gossip on this. But I, okay, just so I wasn't a Christian, just say, I'm more likely to, over, over evolution, personally, if you said to me that human beings were aliens, just bear with me, please, that were put on the earth by aliens and be, we're a colony of an alien race. I, I, from my logical perspective, I actually would believe that. ...over that we were microorganisms that came out of a palm... ...that turned into apes, that turned into humans. You know what I mean? To me, that makes more sense. Does that make sense? It's not hard not being sacrilegious. But if there was no, no biblical perspective... I, ...that is more logical to me. I, I don't know. I just... Anyway. We sometimes can look at the Bible... ...and these theories of, of creation... ...and that God created you in his image... ...as being like this old, kind of outdated, irrelevant view of the world. But I look at evolution... And I think how boring. I just find it uninteresting. It's like eating cardboard. It's, it's, it's boring. The biblical, the, the, the God created, think about it, that the creator of the universe has made you in his image. He created human beings. In- that's like exciting. That's just like, that's just like interest. That's wild. That's outlandish. That's outrageous that divine creator of the galaxies would create you in his image. Can I put it to you? That that the biblical perspective of God creating us in his image is not old school, but it's actually from the future. It's actually so far out there in time that that it's actually advanced. That's how I look at it anyway. Let's move on. I've spent some time on that. Okay, next point. You are more than you think. You are more than you think. First Peter is in the New Testament, chapter 2, verse 9. For you have been chosen by God himself. You are priests of the king. You are holy and pure. You are God's very own. You've been chosen by God. The scripture says you've been chosen by God. When you accept Christ, the Bible says you're a new creation. You become a new person. You are priests of the king. You. Not me. You are kings of the priests. You are holy. Holy means set apart. You are pure. You are God's very own. It's not very own as in possessive in a controlling way. But you're his. You're part of his family. You're part of his home. He, you're one of his. You're one of his kids. That's who you are. Revelations 1.5, which is the last book in the Bible. It says, to him who loved us. It's talking about Jesus. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to God, his Father. So the first scripture in Peter's talking about that you're noble. You, you've got honor. You have privilege. This scripture is talking about authority. Yeah, you have authority. You have authority because of Jesus' blood, because of his sacrifice. He's made you a king and a priest of God. In God's eyes, you are a king and a priest. Like, we've got to start thinking, okay, what does the Bible say about me? Who does the Bible say that I am? We've got to align ourselves with his word. It's either all untrue and it's all fantasy or we believe it. If we believe it, we need to live it and take it on board and and embrace it in who we are. This is what the scripture says. You as a king have authority. How do you conquer? You have a spiritual authority in you because you bear the image and the marks of the creator of the heavens and the earth. I'm not making this stuff. This is standard Christian theology. This is what the Bible says. Next scripture, 1 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are ambassadors of Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What am I doing up here now? I'm being an ambassador for Christ. I'm being a mouthpiece for Christ. I'm here saying to you, I implore you, make peace with the Creator. Accept Him into your heart. And that's what we all need to be about, that you are an ambassador. As you go out there, you represent another kingdom. You're an ambassador like the ambassador of Australia. He's representing Australia's interests. He's representing Australia's politics, our culture, our, our, our belief systems. He's speaking into other countries' political systems based on what we think and what we believe and what our voice is. So I don't have a problem about Christians in politics. I, th- I don't believe in the separation of church and state. I mean, I do in the, the, the biggest sense of what happened in history. But I think we should be a part of politics. I think we should be in every echelon of society. Because you and I are ambassadors of the Most High God. And he wants his voice heard. He wants his opinions heard in every echelon of society and politics. He wants his ways brought across that people could come to know him and what he thinks about things. How does that happen? comes through you as an ambassador of another kingdom. Years ago, um, Kathy and I, we lived in New York, which I've talked about. And we got to go to the South African ambassador to United Nations home. He was the last white South African ambassador at the time, so it was quite a while ago. And he wasn't there. We didn't break in, but we got invited to his house, we won't go into his door stories. And he lived on Park Avenue, and he had an apartment that was the whole floor of the high-rise. And the elevator came out in his apartment. It was massive. But when you walked into your apartment, you basically, you're walking into South Africa. Even though it was another nation in America, we were, we were on South African soil in his apartment. And in the foyer, it had, like, stuffed animals and, you know, all kind of African stuff. Like, you felt like you were in Africa when you walked... Into his place, he carried the the the, the artwork, the philosophy, the, the culture of his country, wow. in another country, and that's like you and me. We carry the culture and the attitude and the aptitude of heaven wherever we go and shepherd in Shepherdin, because you're an ambassador of another kingdom. And we had a lovely dinner there, and he has this massive big table, you know, like those big, big long tables, and and uh, I can imagine that he would have had kings and princes and and prime ministers for dinner and, and, and when they were there they were being absorbed into the culture of where he was from and what their views were. You know we need to invite people to church. Encourage you as an ambassador. Invite some people next week to part two. Think of a friend who you can invite to church. Let's just be salt and light to our world. Let, let's invite people to come to his house and people to have an encounter with the king. You're all royals. I'm not just being nice, but you're all royals. You're all princes and princesses. Now, you're all, you are all a part of his kingdom. Like, I look at the royalty, the British royal family, right? And they're royalty, right? And I have great respect for them. But they're only royalty for a temporary season. They're, when they go to heaven, the queen may not be the queen. Do you know what I mean? Think of it. She could be. She, I believe she's a believer. But if she didn't know Christ, she wouldn't be queen anymore. She's only a temporal queen on this earth. But when we know Christ, you are an eternal priest and king of God. Do you know what I mean? I would rather be a part of the royal family of eternity forever and ever than a temporal king down here. And I used to tell my, you know, a lot of you dads would do this. I told my youngest daughter, I kept saying to her when she was growing up and, you know, you're a princess of heaven. You're a princess of the King. You're a princess of the Most High God. And I just spoke it over and spoke it over and spoke it over. And, and she'd go, no, I'm not. I'm not I'm not part of the royal family. I like, no, you're not looking within a, a heavenly, eternal perspective. You're looking at the world's perspective. I believe the royal families on earth are a shadow of what does exist in heaven. They're a type of what exists already in heaven, that, that, that there is royalty and we are, will be it. I figured I need to speak that kind of life into my daughter because she's going to be in a world where they're going to tell her who she is. The world, the school, teachers, politicians, her friends, they're going to tell her who she is. You're too tall, you're too short, you're too fat, you're not the right color, your hair's not right, you're not wearing the right clothes. Why would I, as a good father, let this world tell my daughter who she is? As a father, I want to speak into her life purpose and destiny who she really is. She is a princess of the Most High God. And your Heavenly Father wants His voice to speak into who you really are yeah. and not listen to what everybody else says you are. Yeah. What you think, my next point, determines how you see. What you think determines how you see. Rome, this is going to get a bit... You've got to stay with me in this one. This is stuff I really love, okay? The biblical worldview is not short-term. Biblical worldview is not short-term. It's eternal perspective. Worldly thinking is, I'm here for 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, whatever. Just get what I can get. Enjoy what I can have. Have a happy life. But the heavenly perspective is not like that. It's a perspective of eternity. It's a perspective of, of, of bigger than this little thing here. It, it, it's, it's way bigger. The biblical perspective tells us to think far bigger than this earthly life then how we live this life shouldn't be based on what is temporary here but it, people suffer on this world because their hope is in something eternal if you had an earthly hope of which is this temporal thing you give up but when your perspective is eternal your perspective is not in this world you're in the world but your your bigger hope is forever that's a biblical perspective in romans 4:17 the scripture says god calls things that are not this is you know, as if they were God calls things that are not now as if they were. He calls things that don't exist right now as if they've happened. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? He calls things that are not as if they were. See, the Bible says that Jesus is the beginning and the end. Alpha and omega in Greek. But Jesus is the beginning and the end. God does not see you through your past. He sees you from your future. God does not see you based on your past. He's not behind you looking at your past to your back. He's in front of you in eternity looking from your future to where you are now. He doesn't see that past. He sees what you will be. He sees your future. This has happened to me a couple of times. I've spoken about this briefly, but I was driving uh, in my car years ago. My girls were little, and the car was really bomby. Toyota Corona or Corolla, and um, no air con, Queensland, humid heat. Had a part-time job. We didn't have much money. I was like, oh, I'm a failure as a husband. Nothing's going good. We've got no money. Can't even get a car with air con. It's dying here in this heat. And I just heard this voice say, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget where you come from. I started laughing because it's like, oh, well, I've come from nowhere. And then I, re- <laughs> you know, then I realized God's not looking at me through my past. He's looking at me from my future. And he's saying, don't forget where you come from because when you get to here, it's going to be completely different. And you might forget your origins. He's a God who calls things and are not as if they were. Second time was, 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 there was a period where I was going to leave my church and go and help a friend start a church and I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to go back to the beginning of being in a school hall and having 20 people and starting a church and I just, mm, God said to me, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise the day of small And I went and helped my friend and six years later, 20 of us who started it, the church is 3,000 people now. See, God saw the future that I couldn't see and he spoke from the future to say, hey, pull your head in. You don't know what's going to happen. Follow me. Do this. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. He calls things that are not as if, they were. See, we live in this little bubble called time. Okay? This is where I go sci-fi. Okay, he, he, I like sci-fi. We live in this little bubble. It's called time. He doesn't live in our bubble. He lives in eternity. There's no time, no beginning and end. He lives in eternity. He can see your whole life like that. The Bible says that, he, David, King David says in Psalms that, Before I was born, he knew all of my days. When you're growing, okay, how do you see yourself? When you go through a photo album. You might see pictures of yourself when you were born, then you might see some pictures when you were five, then some paid pictures when you were fifteen or twenty, and then you know maybe if you're in your fifties, you, you you start to see this steady decline in, in in appearance. At what point are you you? At what point are you you? At what point are you David Cook? You're David Cook all of those steps of life, but the image of what you look like changed. You're David Cook through every stage of that. See, God sees you how you are in eternity. He sees you from the future looking back. He's seeing you as an eternal being with a new eternal body that will live forever in heaven... And you are doing things in heaven that according to the giftings and things he's put on your life. And he sees you reigning in heaven, doing whatever we're going to do in heaven. He doesn't see you in your earthly body right now. He talks to you and speaks to you out of what you would become in heaven. What your true state will be in eternity. He sees you from that eternal state that we can't see or know. But he's speaking from that perspective. That's why he calls things are not as if they were, because they're going to be. But to him, it's now, and he can speak into us. I I don't psychoanalyze, but I had a dream. I had a dream two nights ago, and I wasn't going to say it, but I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. I had this dream, and it was probably based on this message. And In my dream, I kind of went back in time. And I met my daughter, who's 25, when she was 12. And I had a face-to-face conversation with her. It felt so real. She was about 12, 11. All the freckles—she has no freckles now, but then she had freckles and red hair. All the freckles were on her face. I could see them all, and it was her when she was 12. And I just said to her, "Hey, you know, you don't have to worry about anything. Your future is going to be great because I've been there. I've come from. I'm, I'm just letting you know. Don't worry about anything. Your future is awesome and it is amazing." And then I said to her. You know, I love you with all my heart. I will always love you. I will love you forever, no matter what you do. I will love you. And um, I messaged her to say, did you have a dream when you were 12 that I visited you? And she said no. But I was just hoping it was some kind of special supernatural God thing. But then I really felt the Holy Spirit say to me, you know what, that's like me. You're the father. And I'm a father. And your daughter's like you. And I've travelled back in time because I'm in eternity and I'm just telling you right now, your future's going to be good, your future's going to be great. And I'll always love you and I'll never stop loving you no matter what you do. And that's what the Father says to you today. He says, I see you in your state right now, but this is not how you're always going to be because I'm talking to you from the future to say, your life is going to be great. It's going to be okay. I've seen it. And I will love you no matter what you do, good or bad. I can't take my love away from you. Last, next point. What you think determines what you do. How am I going for time? I have no idea. I'm Am all right? Okay. What you think determines what you do. See, there's a guy in the Bible called Abraham, and he couldn't have kids, and his wife couldn't have kids, and God spoke from the future and said, you've got to have kids. He was 100. He couldn't have kids. It was physically impossible. But he chose to believe that the God who knew the future knew what he was talking about. He ended up having a son, and then that son had children, and they became a great nation called the nation of Israel. See, Abraham only wanted a son, but God gave him a nation. He didn't know who he really was. There's another guy in the Bible called Moses. He's out in the desert with his wife and kids and sheep and his father-in-law. And he just wanted to hide in the desert. That's all he wanted in life. And God said to him, I want you to go and set my people free from Egypt, the most powerful nation on earth. He said, I can't speak. I stutter. I'm not educated. I'm not a politician. I don't have the goods. He said, go and speak for me. He goes and the nation of Israel is, 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 is set free from the most powerful nation on earth. See, Moses was more than he thought. The God who speaks in the, from the future into his present yeah. knew what was going to happen. And the last guy, Gideon. Gideon in the Bible is a guy that was threshing wheat in this wine press because he was hiding from these Midianites, these people who had persecuted his family and his people. And they were stealing the food. And God comes to him as an angel and says to him, oh, you mighty man of valor. He wasn't a mighty man of valor, but God from the future spoke into his present and said, you are a mighty man of valor. I've seen it already. The future's going to be okay. And he sets the people free. See, Gideon was more than he thought. What am I trying to say today? You're more than you think. Don't let this world tell you who you are. Let the Father from heaven tell you who you are. Be rebellious in a spiritual sense. Be a revolutionary in the spiritual sense. Fight against the machine of the world and choose to surrender yourself to what the King, the Father in heaven says you are. If the music guys could come up, I want to challenge you today that you are more than a conqueror. Why? Because of who he has made you. Because of who he is. Because you have been created in his image. Live life to the full. If you're not happy with your lot in life, God has given you authority. Dare to believe for something different in life. Let the world be your oyster. Dream big. Hope boldly. Change the script in your head to what the script of His words says about you. There's a scripture. It's not there on the PowerPoint, guys, so don't fret. It says you can do. All things through Christ who strengthens you. This is The scripture says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Christ who lives with inside of you. See, when we give our heart to Jesus and we accept that sacrifice, we go from darkness into light, the Bible says. We become a new creature. We have a realization of who we really are. The Bible says this, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world greater is the Holy Spirit of God because the Bible says you are a temple of His Spirit. Greater is God within you than anything in this world. If God be for us, who can be against us? It doesn't matter if there's a thousand against you. You have the King and His authority inside of you. Let me finish with this same scripture of Romans. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us if I could ask that we just close our eyes I just want to pray over us as a church just, and just take a moment whether you believe or not just, just just, bear with me Heavenly Father I just pray Father for every person in this room I pray that you would cause this word to bubble in their soul this week you would cause them to actually go to your word and read it and study it Father I pray that you would be speaking to people right now Father there would be lights going on in souls right now Father And I pray, Father, there'd be a rising within people, Father, to believe for bigger things, to have a bolder hope, Father. I pray, Father, for your still, small voice to whisper into spirits, Father, and give direction and clarity and breakthrough and financial blessing, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you for listening to this message. To stay in touch with Encounter, follow us on Instagram at encounter.cc or find us on Facebook at encounter.shepperton.